Good morning. Good morning. Okay, very good. So, we have been blessed over the last little while as you've been paying attention because God is bringing to us amazing servants of His from other parts of the world and region, as it were. And I want to tell you, you guys have been so generous. We're going to be giving a report of the um, offering for Hope Givers and the offering for Faith Comes by Hearing and all the things that are going on with that. But this morning, we have a Gideon speaker. And as you know from past experience, these are the folks who have been so consistent over the years of getting the Word of God out. <laughs> That's crucial. We are blessed. We are blessed. We're blessed to have the Word of God as we do. But there are parts of the world that that's not the case. And so our speaker today is Matthew Wagner. He is, wife Cindy's here, and Chris, right? Yes, sir. Is his prayer warrior with him. And Matthew and Cindy are all from Fredericksburg, Virginia. And so he's here. He's going to share with us about the Gideons. At the end of the service, if you'd like to give, we'd love for you to do that. Just take an envelope, put Gideons on it, and put it in the basket as you go. And we'll make sure it gets to the appropriate place. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we all just sang, give me Jesus. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for helping us understand the absolute necessity of you, Christ, being the center of our life. The very essence of who we are. In creation and redemption is you. And so today we say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for blessing us with your presence and letting us as a people be those who don't just mild the words but live the life. Give me Jesus. We're so grateful for your love grace, and your presence as we hear from your word today in Jesus' name. Amen. When Matthew finishes, then Frankie is going to come and share with us from the gospel as well. So, Matthew, come on. Thank you, Pastor. It's a pleasure to be here today, and I just want to make this short. I've got just a few minutes here to share this with you. John chapter 9 and verses 1 through 4. Jesus speaks about a blind man. If I'd like to read that to you very quickly. And as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? I love where Jesus takes off with this. He seldom answers the question that he hears. He always answers the real question on your heart. Always. So he doesn't get caught up in what he in in what he he hears from you. He knows exactly where the problems really are. And here's how he says it. He answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. He wasn't even blind. Because this one day would soon come and his blindness would be a method. Jesus knows that every whatever the infirmity, whatever the need, Jesus does the work, which is his work is to glorify the Father. It reads down here, we must work the works of him 
who sent me. Jesus says we must work the works of him who sent me, Jesus, while it is day. Night is coming when no man can work. I love how God answers questions. And in this ministry, I've learned to look for opportunities to glorify God. Just for what are those opportunities? See, we don't get hung up in theological debate about who sinned and who didn't sin. We don't get caught up in the debate about why this is the case or how you came to be this way. We get caught up in the case that everybody simply needs the Savior. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. But that with faith, it is then possible to please Him. And then we ask the question, well, then how do I have faith? And we run into Romans in 10, 17, that, that, by, that it is hearing and the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So how important is the Scripture? I'll tell you, in my experience, I don't think there's possible, I'm pretty sure of it, that it would be impossible to hold something more precious than God's Word in my hands. What do you think God thinks when God thinks about you? How do I know that I'm right? How do I know how to rightly approach God? How do I know how to know him? It's here. And without it, I'm left with speculation. Fallible men. Fallible grandmas. You know, we have to come to the point where we understand that just because grandma said it doesn't make it right. And everybody said, whoa. If your mother was citing you from the scriptures, your mother was right. My mother, at the age of 13, I was, my mother taught me a few things. One was how to read. My mother taught me not just how to mechanically read, but my mother would read so theatrically. She would say, so shall my word be, boys. It goes from my mouth. It shall not return unto me void. But it shall prosper in the things where I sent it, son. That's how she taught me to read, slow, deliberate, as though God were speaking, because when she read of this book, God was speaking. In the Gideons International, many of you have already heard it already, we're an association of business, Christian and professional men. Christian business and professional men. It started just a short, just a mere 30 plus years after the Civil War, when men would, were trying desperately, Christian men were trying desperately to protect their testimonies as they traversed the highways and byways of life where every hotel sat on top of a bar, a brothel, or a casino hall, a gambling hall. How do I protect my testimony of a traveling man when I'm so far away from home in my church? And it's gun towns like Leavenworth and Jackson Hole, Wyoming. How do you do it? Cattle places. And so they came up with this idea together. Three of them, the, very, the following year, that there would be an association of Christian businessmen and professionals to protect their testimony where they go. And that has now blossomed in 122 years now, since 1901, it's now blossomed into a ministry in 201 countries, possessions, and territories, best known for the Bible in the drawer, which accounts for only about 20% of the total distributions every year. 75%, 80%, somewhere in there, 
as little testaments going out to people, being rightly represented on behalf of your congregation, this church, and many others, as presented by people who wear that emblem and who rightly represent it as God's very word. It's not just sitting on a park bench. It's not left in a box somewhere where people can take one if you want, but they're being hand to hand, very rightly and correctly presented. Ma'am, if you were in, 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 in the Philippines, it'd be, paraseo ang Biblia neto. It's God's word for you. That's how it is. You have missionaries in 201 countries, possessions, and territories. That's what you have. And it may not seem like much. Maybe it's just a small book. But you know the old Irish hymn, little is much when God is in it. Labor not for wealth or fame. There's a crown and you can win it. If you'll go in Jesus' name. Jesus put that Bible and gave them those words. We must work the work of him who sent me while it is day. For the night cometh when no man can work. Yesterday in Ridgeway, I met a young man, a young man by the name of Kwanja. I had to have him spell it out for me. Kwanja, he's a Christian man. Kwanja went to, went to prison years ago. Kwanja was abandoned by his parents and lived in Virginia Beach under a foster mother who beat, her, who beat him, him and his other foster children. Gave me a few terrible stories about that. And I said, really, how did you come to Christ? He said, in prison, I met a man who gave me a Bible. I'm assuming it's a Gideon. I don't know that for sure. I recognize that we're one of thousands of American missions that are very good and do a, song, and do a strong work. But I asked him, said, so you're a Christian. You gave your life to Christ. I said, he said, yes. So I asked him, how did Jesus change your life? That's what Quantus said. He said, sir, I don't hate her anymore. She died three years ago and I never reconciled with her. But I don't hate her. And I feel sorry for her. That's a changed life from someone who was, who was just terrorized as a child to someone who has the gift of God's grace and can spell it out and can, can convey it. It's how God changed his life with the placement of a Bible. Kwanja, I asked him, said, Kwanja, what's the hardest part of your walk? He said, I want to tell people how God answers their problems, but I don't know the Bible well enough. So I gave him a copy of what we call the little personal worker's testament. And in the front few pages, it says time and help times are, are scriptures for times of need. And he starts looking down. He goes, wow, there's a verse on suicide. And again, God doesn't answer the question that he wants to hear. God doesn't talk about suicide here. God talks about how important your life is. You're wonderfully purposely created in the image and likeness of God. Suicide's out of the picture when you realize that your creator loves you and has a plan for you. And while you may not know the specifics of it yet, he's not willing that you would perish, but that all would come into repentance. God's word always has the answer. That was yesterday in Ridgeway. I've realized hardly anybody lives in Ridgeway, but a few of them go there to eat sometimes. We spent the afternoon there. Virginia, at the Virginia State Fair three years ago, I met a young lady by the name of Hannah. And I simply asked her, Hannah, what do you think God thinks when God thinks about you? And she goes, I only hope that he knows that I'm doing the best that I know how. I want to take you to Bahrain for a second. And kind of the same question. A man named Muhammad Al-Aradi. This is in 2017. 
Muhammad Al, or excuse me, 2018. Muhammad Al-Aradi and I are sitting in a coffee shop. He's pouring my coffee. He asked me if I'm a preacher because I'm reading a Bible. A Gideon Bible, where I always go. Not in the hotel in Bahrain, by the way. The kingdom of Bahrain is not there. But he says, can we at least agree that the God of your Bible and the God of the Quran are the same person? I said, no, I can't believe that. Well, why not? I said, because the attributes of God declaring himself in the Bible and the attributes of God declaring himself in the Quran cannot be the same God. Because if it is the same God, then he's lying in one of them and probably both. Logic for Logic throws out the opportunity for him to be telling the truth. So we started talking about the attributes of God, love, and all that. And I asked him, said, what does the Quran say about how do you get to heaven? And he gave me the holy roll of the dice is what I call it. He said, well, if you do as much, if you do more good than bad. I said, well, how much more good? How much little bad? He goes, I don't know. I said, there's one of the main attributes of God. In the Bible, it tells me how to know for sure that I'm going to heaven when I die. Not only did he tell me how to do it, he made the way for me to do it, knowing that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Muhammad al-Aradi comes to Christ. Flash back to Virginia three years ago, and Hannah does the same way. I said, oh, Hannah, you hope that God knows you're doing the best that you know how. What if you really knew how? That'd be great, she said. So we go to Hebrews eleven six 6, and said, Hannah, without faith... It is impossible to please him. What does that mean? And she's the one that gave me the words. It means that with faith, it is possible. So how do you know? How do you do it? And we go right back to Romans 10, verses 9 through 11. But really, in the first context of that is faith. How do I gain faith? Faith, Romans 10 and 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Hannah, read this, Romans 10, 9 through 11. And Hannah comes to Christ. Folks, I appreciate everything that you do. I will leave you with this. There aren't nearly enough hands to do this work. America is filthy rich. Filthy rich. I'd like to say this, and you just let it sink in. Four in every five scriptures placed by the Gideons International last year to the tune of nearly 70 million, four in every five are placed by local churches in America alone. Alone. Four in five. That means that America... Hey, so here's the last thing, and I'll leave you with it. Pastor, think on this. What happens if America stops? If we just all of a sudden said, you know what, we quit. We're done. There are more important things to talk about. The Bible's on my phone. People get kicked off the internet all the time now for telling the truth. You think it's going to be long before your phone stops letting you tell the truth? How do you get a Bible into Bahrain? You have to carry it. How do you get a Bible into Senegal? It has to be sent. They're not allowed to print Bibles in Senegal, West Africa. How do they go? And how will they preach unless there is a preacher? And how will they go unless they are sent? How beautiful are the feet of those who go in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to me, church. There's a work for us to do. Yes, part of it is monetary. Part of it is membership. Gentlemen, ladies, my wife is here. Gideons are business and professional men. Our wives make up our auxiliary and have special distribution points all to their own. I'd like you to consider that. 
You can speak to your pastor. You can speak to my prayer partner, Chris. And you can speak to Mark Wyatt. He knows all about the Gideons International. He is a member. There are not enough hands to do the work. And I'll leave you with that. I appreciate the time that you've given me. Pastor, thank you, and God bless you for what you do. It's a wonderful congregation. Our greeting this morning was fantastic. You guys are nice, real nice. And I've been to places where we weren't so nice, but y'all are nice. Thank you very much. God bless you. Good morning. I find that uh, it's, it's been very interesting to me over the last... Uh, I've been preaching at some other churches around town recently, and it's, it's always interesting to me just how the Holy Spirit kind of puts all that together with what's about to happen, you know, when we come up to speak or something, and you've just seen it even from the smallest church to the largest church. You've just seen the Holy Spirit just line that up. And the way he ended that was absolutely just brilliant in terms of when he said, what's it going to be next when they come and they take this thing away from you? What's it going to be like when they shut off your internet? What's it going to be like when they control everything that you are doing and everything that you say? Is that word still going to be inside of here? Is it still going to be able to be given because you know what it is? That's kind of where we're going to go today with, uh, with what we're talking about. So I appreciate that, brother. Thank you. Um, I'm certainly delighted to be here this morning. Um, let's go, just go to the Lord in prayer first. So, Father, in all your grace, in your mercy, and in your way, Father, I pray that you crush, absolutely crush, the zealot head of religion. And that, Father, your kingdom be made manifest everywhere. That as he says, when the word is in us and the word is full in us, it is how we live according to your kingdom is how your kingdom come and your will be done. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Let me get my glasses out. So I think the, uh, the, I don't know if there was a title message. I guess I can slide it up. That's as far as it's going to go. Was there a title slide on there? Okay, well, I'll just tell you what it is. It's pretty simple. The title of the message today is, What is Truth? And we all know that Pontius Pilate was the person that quoted that in the face of Jesus. But I can tell you that Pilate did not care what Jesus' answer to that statement would have been. He, he could have cared less when he asked Jesus what truth was. So I'm going to define it for you today. And I'm going to define it in the Franklin B. Johnson Webster Dictionary. Okay, so it's not going to be what you see truth and you open up your dictionary. It's going to be as I define it. Okay, truth is the absolute that you are willing to die for. Write it down. That came to me. It's a great definition. It's the absolute that you are willing to die for. Now, let me expand on that. Because the truth that you say you have inside of you, if you are a believer in Christ, is the only truth. And it is the truth that you would be willing to die for and not compromise. So as he said a while ago, when he said, what is going to happen? Are you going to start compromising and changing because you don't know what it says? Because you don't really have the truth inside of you? What are you going to do 
when somebody comes and says, what is truth? Are you going to be able to tell them what that truth is? So let me start with a story today because the scripture today is going to come from John 18 and 19. And it's going to be the story of Jesus being brought before Pilate at the praetorium. And we're going to go inside of 19, but I want, to, I want to bring something different to you out of this. I want you to see how it looks exactly like today. So this story just came this morning. I was just flipping through my phone and I, I turned out, a, you know, looking at something on my AOL. Yes, I'm still on AOL internet news. Shows how old I am. But I was looking and there was a story about a guy who stabbed some young children in France. Did any of y'all see that story? Very kind of obscure. Guy, guy goes into the playground, takes out a knife and starts stabbing 22-month-olds and 3-month-olds. None of them died. Now, the story goes on to say this. I'm going to tell you this because this is the story that I'm going to tell today. When you read through that story, that story was trying to make two points. The first point it was making is it was trying to show Francis, the people were against Francis' stance on their immigration laws because this guy was a Syrian who was given the ability under asylum to come into France, okay? The second thing that you see is that it says, oh yeah, by the way, a witness said that this guy was screaming the name of Jesus Christ and that he was wearing a cross and had Christian symbols on him. Now, what does that have to do with the story about young children getting stabbed and having to go to the hospital? This is what it has to do with. It has to do with the world system that you are living in and sitting under right now has absolutely no desire to hear the truth. And they will try to crucify the Christ in you over and over and over again, no matter the reason. So I tell you that story because when we read the scripture, it's, it's identical to what was happening. It is no different today than it was when Jesus was standing before Pilate. Now let me give you a little background, okay? So Pilate, right? Everybody heard of Pontius Pilate? Pilate was the one that comes up and sees Jesus and has him flogged and then turns him over to the Jews, right? So Pilate would be representative of the most powerful government in the world of the time. So he was representing the Roman government in this precinct. So he had power of the emperor from Rome. And there's a lot of people who said Pilate was a weak man because he just gave in to the Jews. But I'm here to tell you that I do not believe that Pilate was a weak man. I believe Pilate was a very arrogant man, and I believe Pilate was not well liked. And that's been documented historically. So, in the process of Pilate not being well liked, he almost lost his job. So, guess who stood up for him? The high priest in Jerusalem, who was supposed to be worshiping the only one true God and waiting on the Messiah to come. But instead, the Messiah was sitting right there and they said, crucify him. So it did not happen overnight. It did not happen overnight 
that Jesus was brought before them to have him executed. And it's not happening overnight now. It's been doing the same thing every day since Jesus stood before them. And they've been trying, the devil's been trying to crush God's word ever since the beginning of time. Because he did not want to see God's kingdom manifest or ever be shown to society. Just as he said, when he said, was talking about these the, the, the Bible being left for these people that have, you know, fighting addictions and they open up and they turn their, their nightstand over and they open it up and they see the word of God and the word of God changes their heart. Jesus hung out with the sinners. Jesus did not remove himself from society. Jesus did not beat people over the head and forcefully choke them and say, convert or die. Because his kingdom was different. It was different. It was as Jesus said. He said what in Matthew? He said, you've heard, hate your enemy and love your neighbor. But Jesus said, I tell you this. He said, love your enemy and pray for those that persecute you. Now that is some twisted stuff in today's society. Right? Because even us sitting in this church right now, we love to be either on the CNN side or we love to be on the Fox News side. And the fact of the matter is, is you can't be on either one of them. You can't be on either side. You can't separate. You're going to hear it. I'm going to read it. You cannot separate your politics from your religion. There is, you can't, it cannot be done. So when we come and we say, hey, Frankie, there's one thing we're not going to talk about in my house. We're not going to talk about politics and we're not going to talk about religion. I'm not going to talk about either one of them with you because I'm going to talk about the kingdom of God. Because Jesus was sitting in the middle of the political and the religious when he said, my kingdom is not of this world. Let it sink in for a second. Because if you're on one side or the other, and let me tell you a little secret about Pilate and Caiaphas. Pilate believed that there were gods. Pilate believed in politics. And Pilate didn't separate either one of those things. Because he was right in the back pocket of Caiaphas, right in Caiaphas's back pocket. And I will also tell you that Caiaphas did not separate politics from religion because he was running the temple at the same time he was having secret meetings with Pilate about how to run society. So I wonder what would happen. Wonder what would happen. If we sat in the middle of those things and we said because we have truth in us, I wonder what would happen if we said, yeah, you know what? The kingdom I belong to is not of this world. What do you mean it's not of this world? It's not of this world. So I'm not going to check like on Facebook when it's something that compromises 
the truth that is supposed to be inside of you. You're not going to celebrate things that are rebellious against God's word. That is not living according to the kingdom. Now hear what I'm not, I want you to hear what I'm not saying. I'm certainly not going to bring up anything specific today because there's no reason you turn on the news, you know everything that's happening in the world today that is just absolutely crazy. It's craziness. And that is because they are trying to crucify Jesus out of the picture all over again. Every single day. And they are trying to erase the truth just like he said. Who is, Frankie? Are you up here jumping on some conspiracy thing? No, I'm talking about a world system. I'm talking about that thing that Jesus said you were in, but you are not of. And you know what Jesus said his kingdom would do? He said his kingdom would change the heart. That's what he said. He said Jesus never spoke by answering the question. He always asked the question so that you would consider what was wrong inside of here. So I am here to tell you that this story, when I'm going to read the scripture, that this, this story, this, this is not a story, it's the truth. I mean, it's what happened. That you can't be on one side or the other. It's time for us, because I'm telling you, it is time. The church is starting to look just like the world. And if the church looks like the world, then those people will never hear about the Jesus Christ that came to save them and give them freedom from their sin. Period. And that includes using social media. That includes us being complacent. You can't sit idle. There's two things that we can do incorrectly as believers in Christ. One is to believe that we can go out and choke somebody to death over it. And the other is to go hide yourself in a cave somewhere and never tell anybody about it. Jesus didn't go to either one of those extremes. Jesus sat in the middle and said, you know what? He said, I'm going to let them kill me because that is the greatest act of love that can ever be done to show them that somebody would be willing to die for that. So when we interject ourselves into society as Jesus did, we interject ourselves into society to interject like a shot, the kingdom of heaven. Period. What comes out of you should not be religious. What comes out of you should be the kingdom of heaven. And that's in politics, that's in your family, that's in everything. Because there is no separation. Somebody can walk into my business. I'm a business owner. Somebody can walk in my business and say, Frankie, we ain't going to talk about politics and religion. And I'm going to say, you're right. We're going to talk about Jesus. 
Because he, he didn't talk about those things. That's not what his focus was. Because his kingdom is the kingdom of peace. It is the kingdom that is coming in this political system that we live in worldwide, not America, not just America, worldwide is broken and will remain broken until Jesus returns. But that does not mean that you, as a person who has the kingdom to manifest, doesn't interject that wisdom in attempting to to make society better. Because that's what we do. That's what Christians do. Jesus didn't tell you you could save the world. That ain't your job. He didn't tell you you could topple governments. That ain't your job. Your job is to manifest the kingdom where you are. Period. Because that is the power that is inside of you by the Christ that died for you. Now, in John chapter 18... starting in verse uh, 28, because I want you to see how similar this is to what I'm talking about today. That, and as I've said, so turn on the news, right? And what you see is things are changing in the church that don't really line up with God's word. And any time that the, the news wants to, you know, make a comment on Christianity, they don't come ask me. They don't come ask what my opinion is. Most of the time, you see them quoting the Pope, or you see them quoting something from Catholicism. Now, I'm not sitting here saying that there aren't some Catholics that aren't Christians, because I believe there, there are. But what I am telling you is I'm saying that's not the kingdom of heaven being delivered through a media and shaping some agenda that tries to disturb us so bad mentally That it makes us bitter and angry and cynical at the world. And Jesus wasn't angry, bitter, or cynical at the world. He said, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Not develop some long-term relationship with them. But break bread, find common ground, you can have a conversation about your faith. That is the kingdom being put into somebody's life to have an effect to change how they live. And to know the Savior you know. That is what we are to do. Now, then they brought Jesus from Caiaphas to the Roman governor's residence. They did not go into the governor's residence so they would not be ceremonially defiled, but could eat the Passover. So Pilate came outside to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They replied, If this man were not a criminal, we would not have handed him over to you. So the political, talking to the religious. Pilate told them, Will you take him away yourselves and pass judgment on him according to your own law? Now, I want to tell you something. You're going to hear that statement a few more times. And I'm almost going to tell you that Pilate is begging them to continue to ask that statement. Because Pilate, number one, doesn't want there to be a revolt. 
because then the emperor's going to come in and he's going to lose his nice cushy job in his nice cushy palace and probably going to be executed for letting something happen in a Roman province. So he starts and he says, no, you just take this man away. I don't see anything wrong with him. He doesn't care. He's trying to get a response. And you're going to hear exactly what that response is in a minute. Then he says, so Pilate went back into the governor's residence, summoned Jesus and asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus replied, are you saying this on your own initiative or have others told you about me? There's a lot of people in churches right now who adopted worldly ways who have heard a lot about Jesus, right? Which Jesus they talking about? I don't know. It's certainly not the Jesus that's inside of my heart. So that's the same thing that Pilate's asking right now. He says, are you the king of the Jews? He says, and Jesus replied, are you saying this on your own initiative or have others told you about me? Pilate answered, I'm not a Jew, am I? He said, your own people and your chief priest handed you over to me. What have you done? And again, as he said, Jesus is talking to Pilate's heart now. He didn't say, I didn't do anything. He didn't take an opportunity to try to defend himself. He didn't take an opportunity to try to fuss somebody down. He didn't have, he didn't do that. He took the opportunity to speak directly to Pilate. And he said, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were from this world, my servants would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish authorities. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. Then Pilate said, so you are a king. Because a kingdom has a king, right? Typically. Jesus replied, you say that I am a king. Now write this down. Keep this in your brain. Because this is you. This is the Jesus in you standing before the world that is trying to beat you down right now in your everyday walk. You're like, Frankie, I don't come into contact with that stuff. Yes, you do. Every single day. You see it on TV, you read it in the news, you come into contact with it at work because everything in the world today is about inclusion of everybody else's stuff, but they care nothing about what you say in response. That's the truth. That's exactly what's happening. And then it says, you say that I'm a king. For this reason, I was born. And for this reason, I came into the world to testify to the truth. The Greek word there means absolute truth. It means the only truth. The word is a ekklesia uh, or something like that. I can't even, I remembered it this morning, but now I forgot it. But either way, the meaning of the word is divine, absolute truth. And he says, everyone, who is everyone, who belongs to the truth. So who's the truth? Who is the truth? Jesus Christ. He said, everyone that belongs to the truth listens to my voice. Wow. Don't hit that like button on Facebook to say that you stand for something that's against God's word. And then you say that you belong to the truth because you listen to his voice. 
Because then you're the person who is standing on the praetorium steps or you are the person who is standing out there screaming, crucify him. Instead of being willing to stand in the middle and die for it because of what he told you to do. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. And Pilate asked, let's all say it in unison. What did Pilate say? What is Well, I can tell you today, truth can be anything you want it to be, right? Anything you want it to be, you make it up. I feel like, I think this wood is red. I think the sky is green. You can make up whatever you want to make up today if, here's the if, you don't belong to Jesus Christ. Because if you belong to Jesus Christ, you don't have to apologize for the truth because it ain't your truth. It's not your truth. It is his truth and it is the only truth and it is the truth that sets people free and leads them into the kingdom of heaven. Amen. It's not us compromising it and saying, eh, that's none of my business. That person can do whatever they want to do. It is your business but it's your business in the way that Jesus told you to handle it. When he said, pray for your enemies, love your neighbor, pray for those who persecute you. And then what did they do? He said, he went back outside to the Jewish leaders and announced once again, number two, I find no basis for accusation against this man. How many of y'all believe Pilate was trying to bait them? What was, what was he trying to bait them into saying? Hey, Pilate. We got no king but Caesar. That's what the scripture says. He was baiting them into saying, we have no king but Caesar. They wanted him to crucify Jesus because he was no friend of the world. And it says, but Caesar's our king. Now, Pilate won right there, didn't he? Because he got the Jewish people who talked about a monotheistic God to denounce their God in public and swear allegiance to the world. Mm. Does, does that sound like what we do sometimes? That we denounce our God and accept what the world says. And Pilate just wanted to stick it to Caiaphas one more time so he put king of the Jews on top of his cross. Just so he could stick it in his face one more time. But I think that's a very valid point. When they say he got them to denounce their God. Because then Pilate was free and clear from the emperor, right? Because he got those people to calm down because they denounced their God. And that's what you think when you hit like on Facebook or you accept something in compromise against God's truth. You think it's going to die down for you. It is just starting for you. If you are a Christian and you are a true Christian, because the church does not flourish. The true church, not the one that's trying to be existing today. The true church 
will only flourish when it is persecuted. And it is starting. That's why this is absolutely no different. And you need to be aware that that's what that is. You are the Jesus that's in you is standing right in the middle of Caiaphas and Pilate. And the people are screaming, persecute him, kill him, crucify him, kill him. And the government's over here going, no, no, I find nothing wrong with him. No, kill him. They're trying to get the voice of the people. It's just like what happened in World War II. Listen, Heinrich Himmler did the same thing. He did the same thing. He walked into the churches and he said, if you will push this mess, this Nazism, he said, if you come in and you'll push this message, we will leave your church alone. And if you didn't, you got. Y'all are like, well, Frankie, that ain't going to happen. Oh, oh, it did. And it's no different. The book of Ecclesiastes said there's nothing new under the sun. Just because he doesn't walk around and have a little mustache doesn't mean it's not happening today. The church is doing the same thing today that it did before. And the government is doing the same thing. They're using that platform to propagate a message and to make the world see a false Jesus. So who are you going to be? Who are you going to be? That's a, that's a legit question. Who are you going to be? Are you going to be that one that sits in the... Don't worry, I'm going to end it with some hope. There's always hope, right? Jesus is the hope. Because I'm going to let you see just how powerful that Jesus that sits inside of you is. You are not going to avoid this if you truly love Jesus and you truly stand by his truth. So then it goes on again and it says, I bring him out to you that you find that there's no accusation against him. Jesus came outside wearing the crown of thorns, the purple robe. Pilate said to them, look, here is the man when not the man. They specified, oh, he's nothing. That's what Pilate was saying. He doesn't bother me. He doesn't intimidate me. He does nothing to me. But it changes. When the chief priests and their officers saw him, they shouted out, crucify him, crucify him. And Pilate said, you take him and crucify him. Certainly I find no reason for the third time an accusation against him. The Jewish leaders replied, we have a law, and according to our law, he ought to die because he claimed to be the son of God. When Pilate heard what they said, he was more afraid than ever. So in two sentences before that, Pilate looked at him and called him a man. He said, here's the man. Right? And then two sentences later, it says, oh, and Pilate got more scared than ever because the accusation was he called themselves the son of God. Now, the Romans believed in lots of gods. They mixed everything in theirs and believed the gods showed up and the, the emperor was a god. He had godlike qualities. So Pilate understood that and got, got fearful and started asking Jesus. And he said, where do you come from? He's like, 
You some kind of alien? Where you come from? Apparently you don't come from this world. But Jesus gave him no answer. And Pilate said, do you refuse to speak to me? Don't you know, here's the hope. Don't you know that I have the authority to release you and to crucify you? And Jesus replied, boldest red letters you'll ever see in your life. You would have no authority over me at all unless it was given to you from above. Now, how many of you believe that? Faith comes by here. And I appreciate that. I'm glad you believe that. Faith of a little child, right? That's Jesus literally has got blood oozing out of him, thorns on his head, robe done, got stuck to his back. And he's like, man, you ain't got no authority over me. You have no authority. It's the same thing for you when you stand in the middle. Might they whip you and put a crown of thorns and beat you and do things like that to you or hurt your feelings or disfriend you on Facebook because you don't stand in tolerance to everything that's happening in the world? Yes. But is that going to affect your life in any way? No. Because God says they have no authority. I'm only going to let happen to you what's supposed to happen. So if you can believe that in this day and time, that that Jesus that lives inside of you, that only testifies to the truth and nothing else, nothing else, he says, those people have no authority over you. No authority unless it was given from my Father in heaven. Now, that's a pretty powerful promise. That's a powerful promise in the world today and how this world's going to be and how it's going. To know that you can walk up in a situation not to bash someone. Get rid of CNN ideals. Get rid of Fox News ideals. Get rid of your I'm a Democrat. Get rid of your I'm a Republican mentality and start thinking about the kingdom of heaven. Because that's the reason the church has absolutely, I don't know how many of you agree with me, how many of you think the church has got a whole lot of power in the way the world's moving right now? Well, it does, because Jesus says it has power. Amen. The, the, the problem is, is that you've got to recognize it inside of you. Because the, it certainly hadn't lost any power. He said, the gates of hell shall not prevail. That's what he said. We just don't believe it. And that doesn't mean we go out and bust the gates down. It means that we go out and live our lives according to the principles of God's kingdom. Not what you think to be true of religion. That is Caiaphas and that is Pilate. Do not be either one of them. You should always want to be the one in the middle where they're screaming, crucify them. Because the world doesn't want to hear that kind of truth. Because they know, here's the thing, when he said the word never returns void, they know, they know that if they ever stopped for a minute and that truth went in, it would change their heart. So they would rather have what they want rather than Jesus. And we make that same choice 
from time to time as well. Even if we're a believer, we choose things of the world at times over Christ. The difference is, is I hope you hear him steer you back to the right path to say, that's not what you want. That's not what you want. You hear the truth. You want to testify to the truth. And you must testify to the truth. It's not a choice. Listen. This world is not, it's not going to get better. There's no point. Jesus never promised that what was happening is going to get better. He said it's going to intensify. But that you find hope because he overcame it. No matter what happens to us as a group of believers. This is the place where we come in to get our wounds licked. Lick your wounds. Encourage one another. Stand up and get ready to go back out. And show people what the kingdom of heaven looks like. Put it into society so that we can see things look different. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because one day his kingdom's coming in its entirety. And all of those people that denied that truth that we're talking about. They're not going to bow because Jesus is going to grab them by the throat. And throw them on the ground and say bow. They're going to bow because of the glory of God. Amen. Because you can't stand up in the glory of God. So they're going to see it and they're going to fall on their face and they're going to go, oh, it was real. And I certainly don't want any of us to have had any, any opportunity where we could have changed that for somebody. Just by the way we manifest the kingdom. So Father God, we thank you this morning again. For your absolute truth. Father, that it's, it's such a concept, but it's not a concept. It is who you are that lives in us. Father, make eyes open. Father, and ears to hear. And hearts that are receptive. That have lost the hardness. No matter what they've been through in life. Addictions, divorce, same-sex relationships. Father, it doesn't matter. In your kingdom, it can all be well. But Father, make those things known to each person individually. Show them your kingdom and how it is to be manifest in this world. And give us the hope and give us the patience to endure until you come back to get us or we die. And we see your face in glory. In Jesus' name, amen.